singling out of Israel um, in such an important um, uh, uh, forum uh, for being the only rejectionist country in the world and for attacking the prime minister both directly and by implication. Um, I don't think we've seen anything uh, like that uh, ever before, and I think it'll make Israel. It's, it's going to be a bracing speech from for Israelis, and I think for many reasons also for a lot of people who belong or are connected to the Jewish establishment. They'll take offense at it. They will take offense at some of it. Yes, you know, uh, President Obama, if I can talk just for a minute about American Jews, he he sort of touched on raw nerves that um, American Jews have. He spoke in ways that remind, he spoke about the lobbyists and the tens of millions of dollars, um, which reminded people of uh, President Bush's famous, uh, first Bush, famous press conference in which he spoke of himself as a tiny little man standing up to a thousand lobbyists over the hill, which is one of the uh, more uncomfortable events in Israeli, in uh, Jewish relations with the administration. And he said that he doesn't think that he should act because it creates friction with such an ally, uh, with a good ally of America, which reminds people of uh, President Reagan, who once said that foreign countries should not be dictating the policies, uh, the foreign policy of the United States. And so I think well, he, he was touched, right. I, I'm sure he was right, but it's nonetheless saying that there's a difference between knowing something and saying something. And I think that uh, it was uh, it was a bit uh, it's not I think it was tougher than what people in Israel, at least and in the Jewish community expected. But a lot of people take offense in America at the efforts of the Israeli prime minister to come here and, and to lobby Congress the way he did uh, and speak against the president the way he did, which has seemed to me even more dramatic than a speech at American University. There are a lot of people in Israel who uh, criticize the way the prime minister is handling this. Um, my newspaper has an interview with the president of Israel, which will be published on Friday, in which he criticizes um, the way that the prime minister is handling relations with the United States, especially on the issue of Iran, and he thinks that the prime minister should show more restraint. But one does not negate the other. You can be critical of the prime minister and still be yeah. offended, say, by the tone that the both. president yeah. took. You can be offended by both, you're saying. Right. I want to come back to this because you have an idea that um, the prime minister would have been much better served if he'd come over and said, let me speak to some people, let me make clearly the points that I believe in, and let's have a dialogue here rather than going full force against the president. Yeah, I think if it's a stark choice of yes or no, it doesn't give you a lot of chance to influence things. And essentially, it's a black or white decision. What I uh, testified on earlier this week before the Senate Armed Services Committee, and where I actually think the United States will come out, will be something a little bit in between, that if there is a decision to go ahead with the agreement, there will have to be added to it, whether formally or informally, a set of conditions. What would be intolerable that Iran would do now in way of noncompliance? What would be intolerable in 10 or 15 years in terms of their nuclear uh, arsenal? What, what we would do in order to reassure Israel, the Saudis, and others in the meantime, so, so in say, in the case of the Saudis or the UAE, they're not tempted to go ahead and have nuclear programs. And so what of their happens own. to the agreement if we put all these conditions to it? Do the Iranians have to agree to it? No. These would be unilateral okay. American statements. They wouldn't necessarily be amendments to the treaty. What I'm thinking of is either a White House statement or some companion legislation or a joint resolution that would make it clear uh, how the United States plans to address what I would claim yeah. that are the clear flaws well, this is a resolution in this with, the, with the impact of law. Uh, yeah, which hopefully the president would, would, would back. And again, I think this is a seriously flawed agreement. Uh, that's my own view. But if it is going to come into effect, then I think it's incumbent on the United States to address and compensate for those flaws. Uh, you've talked to a lot of mem members of the intelligence community in Israel, or at least one. 
Well, you know, the interesting thing is <clears throat> there's an impression in the United States that um, all of Israel is against this. And I, I think that uh, AIPAC and other lobbyists have tried to, you know, push that across. Obviously, the political establishment in Israel, including the Labor Party, is against the deal. But if you talk to former intelligence officials, former heads of Mossad, Shin Bet, which is the internal security uh, service, uh, people in the defense ministry, about 70 of them have signed a, a letter saying, look, uh, this deal might not be perfect. There's some real problems with it, but it's basically a done deal and it is harming Israel to continue to object to it instead of moving forward to focus on how will we convince uh, President Obama to really focus on interdiction of Iranian arms shipments to Hezbollah and the whole series of other issues that they're worried about when the sanctions.